Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. A critically acclaimed actor, Tom, wowed Hollywood with his stunning turn in the indie cult favorite Gravesend in 1998, which was produced by Oliver Stone. Tom became a trendsetter as one of the first successful triple-hyphenate actor-writer-producers. And over the years, Tom has raised more than $25 million in private equity from independent financiers and has written, produced, and starred or co-starred in nearly all the films that his company, Trick Candle Production, has made, save the two documentaries. Tom Malloy is the author of the best-selling book about independent film financing, Bankroll, which is now in its second edition and is considered the gold standard of indie film financing. No surprise there. And Carol, you teach with Tom Malloy in the intentional filmmaking class as well, right? Yes, I do, Claire. Tom is a natural born teacher. He's delightful to work with, and I sincerely thank you, Tom, for joining us today. Oh, great. Uh, Happy to be here. Well, we have a lot to cover because we want to go get some tips on uh, getting your film made with, from you, a triple hyphenate, actor, writer, producer, and I want to know if there is, uh, was a turning point that moved you from acting to writing, because you were so highly recognized for your performance in Gravesend. Um, one might think that you would continue acting and putting all your energy in that one direction. So yeah. was there something that uh, made you start writing scripts that you could act in? Well, you know, it was the, the main thing was that I, when Gravesend came out and we got some, some good, great reviews and things, I didn't, there was two, uh, twofold. I didn't quite know what I was doing as far as the things I know about the business today. Uh, and then the second part of that was, so I didn't make the right moves. And then the second part of that was that um, it made us kind of popular in, and we got tons of meetings with cash directors and producers. And then that faded quickly. You know, it's, it's kind of a, what have you done for me lately? And, and also, I mean, I was going in auditions against a lot of people that were already established and much more famous faces. And I just had that one kind of film that made it, hot for the, you know, it was a flavor of the month type of thing. And then that went away. So um, when I, you know, found that it would, I just really wanted to learn every kind of other aspect of the film business and just say that, you know, get to a point where I really knew every other aspect of it and I could succeed in other aspects. I didn't want to work outside the film business. And, you know, an actor uh, is starving for a long time, many times, and uh, there'll be a waiter, a waitress or a bartender. And I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to work only in the film business and, and, do that. So that's when I started to, you know, go to the other areas. So, what did you do for writing? Did you take class or find someone to study with? Yeah. Well, then the main thing I did with writing that I suggest to everybody that that wants to become a writer and they don't do is is read scripts. I did. I read a ton of the best scripts that I could find. It had to be around forty or so of the greatest, you know, movie scripts ever and, and contemporary scripts, you know, and, and 
And that's something that a lot of people don't do. They watch movies, and then they think they can write a script. They have no idea about the structure. They have no idea how they put it together. They just have a cool idea for a film because they've been watching movies their whole life. And that really is very tough. I always say that's like watching open-heart surgery and saying, yeah, I can do that. You know, it's like just because you saw it doesn't mean you can do it, you know, and you have to learn those things. So I think that I set the bar so high by reading all of those and seeing, you know, because a screenplay is not like a novel. A novel can be written in infinitely different ways. A screenplay has to be has to follow a certain set of rules, and so I kind of learned those rules by reading. That's the way to go. Um, now, one of the men I interviewed uh, from the writer's boot camp said that when your first draft was finished, that meant you were 7% completed. That was the beginning of the real mm-hmm. hard work. Is that yeah. true? <laughs> well, that's that's a low, you know, that's a low... Um, number but you know i'd say i'd agree with that to a certain extent that but my first draft is never my first draft i mean there's a draft what i do is i kind of get the script all everything out on paper i I call it call it creating the rock almost like if you're going to sculpt a a beautiful sculpture the statue of david you know that you have to start with this big piece of marble first so you have to kind of get through the script and what i do is i just force through to the end there's new characters that I introduced and, and changed names and all that and that, whatever. And I got to the end, and that is what many writers would call their first draft. I'm, that is my, you know, for part of my first draft, but no one will ever see that, ever. Uh, then I take that and I completely rewrite it, and then I do a third pass on it and I polish. So then I've, I've changed and the rewrite maybe 40 to 50%, and then I polish maybe 20 to 30%. And that is what I call my first draft. The problem becomes. With most new writers, they do what I, you know, that first kind of create the rock draft, and they they're so excited and so happy that they created a script that they go out and they show that to everybody, and they're not going back and realizing that you know writing is rewriting. So I'd say that my first draft is about thirty to forty percent of the final product because you know it's really a third draft if you think about it. Right. Well, then, do you send your scripts out and get feedback so that uh, whoever's reviewing them don't doesn't know that you were the writer? Oh yeah, I've done that before. I've done, you know, I I always tell people to get coverage on their scripts, and I've done that. I used to have a uh, twice actually I had employee uh, working for me as a script coverage person, and then she would they were both females, and uh, they would just read the script and give me coverage back. And so every once in a while, I'd sneak one of my scripts in there. So no matter what, I always pulled the title page off of you know, who the script was, just so I knew I could get an honest opinion <laughs> and she wasn't biased because I was paying her. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. right. So, uh, and then do you take to heart what they say, whether it's low character development or whatever the criticism yeah. is? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, I... I did a, um, you know, I had those people working for me who I trusted. And so, yeah, I would take them, to what they said to heart. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go out there and get coverage on your own, I would say, you know, do it. I mean, and as coverage as opposed to giving it out to, you know, friends and family that are just going to have a different kind of subjective ways of looking at things. I would say that if you get the coverage reader, you probably should do more than one. Three would be ideal because then if you could look for trends, you know, if, if one says the dialogue's weak, uh, that could be, could be, but if all three say the dialogue's weak, you, you probably have weak dialogue. So you, you want to look for trends. So it's always better to have more than one person commenting on your script. Right. Well, you have a very large percentage of your scripters older options, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, you know, and, and uh, well, a lot of times I got to, once I got to a certain level, um, you know, as far as writing went, 
then I was being commissioned to write scripts, you know, and so that, that, that's a different story, you know, like uh, spec scripts. I've, I've probably sold now 14 to 16 screenplays sold option or made into films out of about 21 or so that I've written um, out of that 21, I would say maybe five were spec scripts, meaning they weren't commissioned to begin with, you know, like meaning they, that I, um, it, you know, the spec scripts were for a purpose. Like it was, okay, this was the job that was co- coming up and you need, you know, I needed to write the script for that. And, and this was the amount of money they were giving me. So that it's, it's not spec script. I mean, a spec script is just an idea I had. And I put the script together and then I went out and tried to get it sold or made into a film. Um, so only about five of those, the rest were commissioned jobs, you know, like they here, what do you want? This is the story you want. Okay. Here's my resume, so to speak. Uh, they could read one of my past scripts, and then we make a deal. Okay, here's the money, and Writers Guild, and here's how you're going to have to pay, and this is how we make it. Wonderful. Well, how did you get in the Writers Guild, Tom? Well, that was – there was a the, – the easiest way to get in the Writers Guild is to have a um, – <laughs> it's not easy by any means, but have a, a, a film be a Writers Guild signatory. Um, and it was so happened that a film I did called The Alphabet Killer – uh, was had a good budget over you know about two and a half million, and Rob the director wanted to bring in his um, uh, he had a, like a polish guy that was going to come in and just shape some of the dialogue. Plus he knew some police procedural stuff, so he was going to come in and add to the screenplay. And because of that, he was Writers Guild, so he had to be Writers Guild because of that. Um, and then we went you know then I was automatically in the union because it was now a Writers Guild project. But, you know, the other way, if you don't have somebody coming and rewriting with you, is that, yeah, you, you encourage the, the production to become a writer's guild signatory. It's not really – that's no charge for them to become a signatory. They're just going to have to pay more on the fees. But, you know, if your screenplay is good, hopefully they'll be doing that anyway. Oh, that's great. So now – so you charge the uh, screen guild's fees, uh, but people do come to you and say, here's an idea I have for a film, and then you write it for them. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. It's, uh, you know, it's the key was it was like everything else in this business. It was better uh, years ago. You know that the that that same conversation was able to give you a, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of money back then, and now it's it's less. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. You know, it's it's you just it once you can get a, a certain reputation and you can deliver a certain quality script, then you should be able to get work for it for a long time. Right. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I know uh, from the classes that we teach together that you say a lot of times the investors don't read the script, they read the overview. So I guess the overview and the pitch have got to be dynamite to make the sale or get them to the point where they do want to read the script or just give you the money. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's that – that does happen a lot. You know, the investor has no idea what the script is. He just, you know, maybe looks at it, looks at the synopsis or she or she. And, um, you know, I think that that's the state, that's the way that they want to be involved with the movie. They, they want to be involved in a certain percentage, especially spe- uh, H&Is, which I refer to in my book, high net worth individuals, especially H&Is that are, are super, have a ton of money, usually don't have that much time. And so for them to sit, you know, and kind of, commit all that time to reading your screenplay is just not going to happen. So that's where, you know, it comes in that uh, you have, 
a great synopsis, a great business plan, and that's enough for them to say, I want to invest in this movie, you know, a great pitch, all these these aspects that I taught in the class as far as, um, you know, pitching your film and having the business plan and having the, uh, you know, the numbers right and don't have any insanities and all those things, when they come together, that at the end of the day, they just, that's it. That's all you need, and they don't need to read the script from Charles they really don't need the script. By then, they've got a, a high percentage of trust in you and what who you are, and they're believing that you'll be able to deliver what you say, right? Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, it's it's, and that a lot of that comes I mean, when you're young and you haven't done much. Young to the business, I mean, it's you know, it comes with them taking a leap of faith as you get a little bit more of a status. And they can see, oh, he's done this and he's done that, um, or she's done this, she's done that. Then you can you can do more, you know, because then they, it's like, here, look at my track record. This is what I've done, and uh, you know, go from there. Right. Well, I, I want to go back to your first screenplay that you wrote and produced and acted in called The Attic. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that this is a classic study in good, low-budget production, acting, and directing. And I often refer people to this film because you have the entire show in one location. And I often see the Weinstein brothers fund films similar to that. One recently was uh, August Osage County with Merle Street. Uh, I think they had maybe they had three locations in that show, but most of it was in one house, just like your film, The Attic. The Attic was in one house. So tell me yeah. what where you got the idea and what was the whole process. Well, you know, the, with The Attic, what I wanted to do was was yeah, make a self-contained horror film and uh, and make something really scary. And it's funny enough, it's, I don't know if, if it was exactly what I, the end product wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, it kind of was a cross between, it's almost like we took it too seriously and we forgot to have fun with it. You know, we did we, the cross between an art house film and a scary movie, you know, and then so the people that were coming to see a scary movie saw an art house film and the people that were coming to see an art house film saw a scary movie. And that wasn't, that was a good thing, especially for reviews. But, um, you know, and I, the director, was the director of a movie called Pet Cemetery, so she had been around for a while. Um, and I was, you know, I was this young guy that that had this idea, and I was just kind of going on energy and, and positivity. And so I didn't have the knowledge that I do now. Like, I, for example, I just completed my third horror film, which I believe is going to be my best and most well-known horror film, and I did that earlier this year. But, I mean, The Attic was 2005, so that's 10 years ago, and, and I look at how much I've learned since then and how much more power I have. But I didn't really kind of put my foot down as far as the things that I wanted in the film um, because I really couldn't. I didn't know enough yet. You know, I just said I had this idea. I had the idea for the one location shoot and uh, and the way to make it scary and then go from there. And then I just listened to a lot of people and didn't kind of stick to my vision of it. But that's okay. I mean, it was a real learning experience for me at that point. Well, how would you raise the money? Let's put your producer hat on now and talk to me about what made up in a position, and where did you get the courage to go out there and find a half million dollars? <laughs> well, the courage came from the fact that I was really wanted to be, you know, do, producing a film, and there was somebody, uh, there was this producer that had was trying to, you know, telling me he was getting this other film going, but it was all, you know, just talk, and he was he was a, turned out to be a liar and, and all this, he's just an unscrupulous guy. 
Um, but the courage really came from the fact that then now <laughs> my wife at the time uh, was pregnant and we had been married for about a year and a half and then she was pregnant and uh, so now I had a baby on the way. And so it wasn't just me and her anymore. And so I, that was really it. I mean, that was the proverbial gun to the head. And so raising the money, I did something that I had suggested to everybody, you know, that goes forward, tries to fund their film is that I went to somebody outside the film business. I went to a person, first investor I ever closed was a commercial furniture uh, deal and he had had some success and he funded the film. So it was like, it was my way of getting him into a movie, you know, and, and, and now he's a movie producer, you know, or then, after I got him in the movie, he was a movie producer. And I will say that he and I lost touch every other investor in that uh, film I am still friends with one of them is my closest friend <laughs> and has funded several projects for me. And then another one is a good friend that I just ended up working with on the last movie uh, to this day. So I still, you know, keep those contacts and still uh, have the same people that are, that are, you know, benefactors and friends. Oh, that's, that's really important because it, you, you've talked so much about how important it is to have a, a long-term relationship uh, in the even in the beginning, yeah, I remember you telling us that you would uh, spend a lot of time with potential donors, and that uh, one guy called you at twelve o'clock at night, and you jumped up, got dressed, went over to his house, and talked to him, and you closed the film or the donation or investment that night. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell me about that. That's a great story. Yeah, you know, it's it's always you know it's it, that's one of my stories. And I remember that that night very well. It's one of my stories of of never choose. Um, look, if it, I was going to say never choose sleep, but I really wanted to say is that you know always be ready to work. If this is your dream and this is really what you want to do, you know those. I got. I've just seen so many people refuse to put the effort in, and that you know I'm not just talking about sleep. I'm talking about just you know not not doing it. Not I don't want to read the book. I don't want to write the script. Although tomorrow, I, you know, I'd rather watch the new season of House of Cards. You know what I mean? I, I just see it all the time. And and I know that's what has made me get to the level of success that I am is, is just effort, you know. And in that case, what it was was just about I just rented a film with with um, you know, and it was kind of back in the blockbuster days, and was was with my wife, and we were gonna go <laughs> just watch it in bed, you know. And uh, I had my contacts out, glasses in, and uh, and you know everybody in sweatpants and ready to lay in the bed. And that's when he called and said, Hey, why don't you want to come over? And so I just splashed water in my face, put the contacts back in, went to 7-Eleven, got a Red Bull, and uh, <laughs> that was about midnight or so. And then went over there a couple drinks later and, and answering all of his questions, he committed to the, the $2 million that was the start of the film. Um, you know, and then we ended up picking up about 600000 from a foreign distributor, and they were, so that was it. But, you know, that night was the night of the close. Right. So you really have to be flexible in that in this world. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was just going to say, it's like, if you, you know, what does it take? What what does it take to get you motivated? You know, where you, where, how much do you want it? You know, how much, how easy would it have been for me to say, nah, you know what, I'll just call you tomorrow, you know, and that might have not worked. Maybe then he wouldn't be in the mood the next day to do it, you know, and, and so much of life depends on somebody's mood at the time. So, you know, would I, I could have easily blown it off and then I wouldn't have been producing that film. Exactly. Well, that film, uh, this that was the Alphabet Killer, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's my fa- one of my favorites of your films oh, because I love thrillers. 
<laughs> and I couldn't figure that one out. It was really well written, well acted. And uh, so where did you get the idea for that film? Well, that was from um, I was I had, after I'd finished the attic, I wanted to do another um, scary movie, and I really was a fan of true true crime and uh, you know true stories. And so I Josh, uh, I guess I was talking, and it was uh, my mother-in-law that said there you know there's this unsolved mystery in upstate New York, and uh, you know and I, we, I started looking into it, and it turned out I, I had a friend. Uh, that was a one of the investigators on the case, and uh, from the way back, and I mean, it was a kind of a friend of a friend, and then just started researching it and went forward, and and, and you know, it's just one of these things that, which I tell you know, I tell people to look for all the time. It's just to kind of feel the energy and go forward with something like meaning. If you feel if something in the world is, you know, I mean, so many times people have those that dream project that they want to do. And I've done that. I've pushed um, my dance film, Love and Dancing, was a dream project that I pushed this gigantic rock up a very difficult hill. And those can be really tough. And Alphabet Killer was not tough. And it was, you know, the last film that I did was not tough. And those are perfect examples of just following the energy and, and just here is the sign, going with the signs, and, you know, and moving forward in that regard instead of just, you know, trying to force something that that maybe the universe is not is telling you at the time it's not going to work, you know, and, and, and I think that's a good, that was a good lesson. So I've killer work and it was the energy, everything fell into place because I followed the energy and I didn't resist or I didn't try to force my will or anything. I just, just went with it. And this was the a guy that gave you the money that night for uh, most of the money for alphabet killer, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Well, give us talk to us about producing because I know there are a lot of different producers. Mm-hmm. So, what are your jobs? Uh, what do you do in the producing field? And tell us how you got into that. We we know how you start. You were, we know you're a good actor, and then you decide to become a writer to write yourself some scripts. You had to yeah. go out and produce them your scripts to get the acting job. So it's all. Yeah. <laughs> The tips on producing and which type of producer are you? Well, you know, I, when I started as a producer, I was just really an idea man and a seller, like a salesman. And which, you know, can you can stay that way and be a successful producer? You don't have to learn the nuts and bolts of producing. I do now know the nuts and bolts of producing and had function as a nuts and bolts producer on, on a lot of films now. Um, and that's just from learning. But I was smart enough to kind of keep my mouth shut early on <laughs> to the actual nuts and bolts aspects of producing. I, you know, I, I just see people come into things in every career and, and kind of think they know what they're doing, which is worse than saying, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Or just, I think the best thing is just keep quiet and listen and try to try to figure it out, you know. And, um, and so that's what I did is, I, you know, over the, my kind of knowledge as far as the nuts and bolts producing just got bigger and bigger each film. And uh, now it's like there's no producing job that I can't do. So it's like I come from, like from the last film, it's like I got the idea, I put together my entire kind of pitch, the package, everything, went out, raised the money for it, then, you know, brought on the director, uh, helped cast the film, brought on the cast director, uh, locations, crewed up the entire film. I mean, not every single crew member, but the main key people that then they brought their teams, closed the deals, shot the film, uh, when I was done with the film, you know, supervising the editing, which is going on right now, and then 
that now it's going to be selling it. And I'm already kind of pre-teasing about some of the sales and trying to get people excited about it. So, you know, that it's it's a whole, you know, it's a whole A to Z process that I now do. Whereas years ago it would just been, you know, maybe raising the money, getting the idea and raising the money and then helping with sales. You know, it's like with uh with that's what I did for the attic and the outfit killer because I wasn't really anybody that, you know, <laughs> knew what he was doing as far as the nuts and bolts producing. So, you know, now I do. Fantastic. Well, is this the film you were just talking about, is that called Screamers? Yes, Screeners? that's the one that I did this year. Yes, and I hope, you know, you said that the Alpha Killer is your favorite. This one, will, I believe, will take its place for you as the, as the, as the favorite because it's really good. Oh, good, good. Now, yeah, well, then, yeah. where is that? You say, is, is it coming out on Amazon soon or what's happening? Oh, no, no, no. No, it's, um, that was, that was a, um, the Amazon was a TV series that I just did. Screamers is, uh, we're trying to go gigantic with it. I mean, we're trying to do wide release, trying to sell it. I'm already, you know, when I talked about teasing, I'm already talking to distributors that are big, big distributors, um, you know, uh, that have done gigantic films and, and with wide theatrical releases. And I want to, I, I want to mimic the kind of release routine of a movie like It Follows, which came out this year, or Unfriended, which were both around a million dollars, um, which was, you know, same around the budget for Screamers, was a little bit less than that. And then from there, went on and, uh, you know, made, I mean, gosh, Unfriended made maybe 20, I think, in the theater. And I know uh, It Follows did maybe 14 or 15 billion. So that's what we really want to do. And we have franchise potential with this and everything. So this is the, this is hopefully the quote-unquote big one that we've been waiting for. So we'll see. Oh, exciting. Well, yeah. tell us about franchise. What You must be learning about that. Yeah. What have you learned? Well, the, the key is, is the, what I've learned is that the most profitable genre of film, I remember somebody telling me this, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. But the most profitable genre of film is the sequel. <laughs> That's the most profitable genre just as far as, you know, in money and in, in as far as track record goes. So, you know, a sequel, if you have sequel potential, well, then, you, you you know, that's when you have the genre audience built in. You have a fan base from the first movie um, or the first and second movie or the trilogy of movies or whatever, and then that's how you get something going, you know. That's how you have, you know, when you're up to, like, for example, a movie like Saw, which cost about a million, make the first one, and then I believe they did seven or eight after that. And so seven or eight Saw films, it's like, now this is a billion-dollar franchise, you know, and uh, that's smart, and that's, you know, you're guaranteeing an audience. There's going to be these core Saw fans every time uh, that'll come out. And maybe that audience dwindles. I mean, gosh, you do eight of the same movie, it's going to dwindle, and, you know, it's going to not be the same, but, you know, that's how you get a billion dollars <laughs> by doing that. Yes, quite right. It's the sequels. Well, the Hollywood loves sequels because that's they are assured a certain income, they feel, right? Exactly. exactly. You know, even if they're bad, and I mean, I could point to even big budget ones that were not the best. Iron Man, you know, two and three were nowhere near as good as the first Iron Man. It's like, you know, they still made, I mean, Iron Man 3, I believe, has the record for the opening weekend, so... It's still they still are profitable no matter what. Yeah, well, um, because uh, of when you go to raise money, everyone wants to know um, where do you go. And I, I know you say get out of Dodge, get out of L.A. Yeah. And you look really for entrepreneurs. It sounds like or businessmen who would yeah. uh, like to be a producer in the film world. Is that right? Yeah, you know that 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 appeal of 
producing a film is just is this huge. You know, it's it's something that people want to say they're a film producer on the the golf course. You know, they want to say that they're they got to oh, they they're tonight they're going out to dinner with Jessica Biel or something like that. Whatever stars in the movie, that's that's something really exciting, and you know that that's what the movie world brings. So in in essence, if we were going to start. Uh, you know, some type of business, uh, you know, a, a gold mining business. Okay. It's like, you know, that's something, but it's not as sexy as the film business, you know, and that, so a lot of people go in and these, these high net worth individuals, they invest in it because they want that, you know, they want to say, oh, I made a movie, you know, and they want to be in the movie business. So there it is. You're, you're bringing, I'm bringing them an opportunity to quote unquote be in the movie business. And you let them, uh, well, you mentioned in class one time that people like to be able to say, I have so-and-so's uh, phone in my, uh, I have their number in my phone, and I can dial so-and-so any time, night or day. They're a friend of mine now from the film I made. Sometimes yeah. that is feeling, right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing. And, that, you know, that's when when somebody gets to the point where they don't, I mean, not that they don't care about money, but money's not, their main focus in life, that's pretty cool. You know, having celebrity friends and, you know, and, and going to red carpet premieres, there's something really exciting about it. You know, it's, that's the royalty of the United States. You know, we don't have royals, kings and queens. So we have the, our royalty are as the movie stars, you know, so that's, that's really cool. Of course it is. You know, it's great. Yeah. Uh, well, I know in class and in bankroll too, you say filmmakers should read sales books. Yeah. I know you do, uh, but tell us why and wh- how you think it helps. Well, I think it's it's ex- extremely important to sell yourself. You know, I think it's that's that's a major key is that when you're selling, when the investor um, you're you're approaching the investor and asking him or her for an investment, they have to believe in you. And so, the, when selling yourself, that's that's how it's going to get across. So. You read books on sales, sales techniques, how to present things, and you know, it's so it's not just about obviously not just about the project. So when you're there and you're selling yourself, uh, that's when something gets you know made. It's like I presented when I presented Screamers, it was a great uh, budget and a great idea, and I did the pitch. But you know, the investor was more about oh, so what have you done and this and that, and he was more about my history, and so that was. That was a thing, you know. I was selling myself as well as the movie. So you can have the best project that's really tailored well, but uh, at the end of the day, if the person doesn't believe in you and you don't sell yourself, you're not going to get that movie going. Right, right. No, I've, I've heard you take people's pitches in the class and turn them around into stunning pitches <laughs> where they're sort of humming and hawing around on what they want to say, and you come in and say bang, 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 <laughs> and it just takes uh, 10, you know, it's yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I always so, have a fun time doing that. I, you know, I've done that. I, I, that's one of my favorite of our classes that we do when I kind of go there and it's like, and they, I say, well, you know, because they'll throw things out that it's like, well, why would you say this in the pitch, you know, or why, you know, like something that just shouldn't be there or they just won't get to the point or something like that. And it's just so, um, it's so fun for me to just hopefully focus them where they go, okay, this is my movie. Boom, boom, boom. I'm all for simplicity, especially that's a sales technique as well, just getting your point across, simply and easily. Mm, quite true, because I I can't remember where we were, but someone was pitching you, and, and I couldn't get the story. You couldn't get the story. And I think yeah. I think you said, okay, in uh, one minute, tell me, what's the story? 
<laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, and so I mean, that's really, yeah, truly try. You know, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's when somebody's pitching something, even if it's going all directions, I'm truly trying to go, okay, what are they talking about here? Yeah, but just sometimes it just doesn't work. So, <laughs> totally. Right. What's the story? There, that was a great line from Lovers and Other Strangers call, uh, that you used to say in the film. What's the story, Richie? What's the story? And yeah, that's okay. uh, what it's all about. And uh, the point is that. There's got to be some energy in it because I, I notice a lot of times filmmakers get a little timid when they go to pitch, and you you help them raise their energy to uh, 10, and then it yeah. works. Well, yeah, if you go in there and you pitch with low energy, that's just, you know, it's not what somebody's going to be excited about. You, you, know, you know, realize that you have to get that person, that check writer, excited about your movie. Um, you know, that check writer, that distributor, that producer, whatever. And, you know, just going in there and, you know, giving a, a whatever, if you we're going to put energy on a scale, giving a, a three, you know, hey, it's my movie and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that's – I just can't see how you believe anyone is going to fund your movie. Anybody's going to, going to give their hard-earned money and, and, and give you – write you a check and believe in you. You've got to go in there and say, this, this is the movie, you know, and that, that's when something gets funded. Exactly. And always be closing is your line. I love that line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, no, no, no. Always be closing is not, it's actually not my line. Always be closing is a very famous sales line. Always be pitching is my line. You know, ABC. Is your line. Sorry. That's yeah. right. No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, no, no. It's very close. But, uh, you know, always, I'm always pitching, you know, a project. I always have something. There's, there, it would be impossible, at least in my world for you to come say to me what do you got and me say eh, nothing i'm not really working on anything i can't imagine saying that like you know it, so if somebody's there and they have money and they, they're ready to go i will find a film and that really extends i mean you could come tell me i have five hundred thousand dollars i want a sports-based african-american film i will have that film for you i'd say sure i can get that and i'd have that film for you within a day or two you know and so it's uh, that's what i do that's what you do right well actually um, that uh, tell us more about uh, the film that you, this TV show that you uh, created. I I think that's so exciting. It was uh, the indie TV. Tell us how that happened and how and give us an intro into that new world. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, you know, the key I think is there's a lot to go over there. Um, I outlined it. There's a, you know, I have this um, course with Jason Brubaker called the Film Finance Guide, which we'll probably touch on. But, you know, that's, if you go to filmfinanceguide.com, that's there. But what we did is we wanted to put some other items together because that was a, I think it's a $67 item. And so we wanted to put some other ones that were smaller. And so I said, well, you know, I've just been working with this TV project. And so what would you, what do you think if I give some video, like a, a step-by-step on how I did it and how you should do it? And so I recorded it's over an hour of just these maybe 10-minute little clips of, you know, talking it through and how to, how to get there. And, and I don't know, honestly, because he handles the back end. I don't know if it's selling yet, <laughs> but uh, it should be. And, uh, or, or it might be a free gift or something if you, if you buy it. I'm not sure how it's going to work. But bottom line is I put it together because it's a long story on, on how I did that, but it's a good story because, uh, like, like, for example, when I was in just in Cannes uh, for MIP TV this year, there were more buyers than there were sellers for TV, and that is a good sign. I mean, the shift is really going to TV right now. And uh, 
So I just felt, you know, to stay alive and see this business, I had to be doing some TV. And so uh, how do you do it? I started researching how to how to go about it and get a show out there. So I did. I, you know, I got a show out there. It's profitable. It's making us money and exploring other TV projects. And, you know, so what I do is on that, that course, I just go through exactly, you know, the idea and how I took it and how I financed it and how I got monetized it and, uh, and where it is at now. Okay. Well, let us have Jason Brubecker's site so they can find it, or your site, or both. Well, yeah, the best way is to go to filmfinanceguide.com. And I believe that it's on there. If not, email him and ask if, you know, when is is this video coming up with, uh, you know, Tom Lloyd talking about how to finance and, uh, you know, how to make independent TV. But I I believe it it could already be up. (laughs) Again, that's not my thing. I just make the content. I don't, you know, I don't put it on the site. He, he does the selling, as you know. Well, tell me about the film finance guide. Where, to, what does that contain? Oh, that's the that is fantastic. That was a a thing that I had initially put together a series of audio uh, recordings called "Get the Gold." That was really uh, basically like a five hour, uh, and it was I think it was almost six hour seminar on film financing. And uh, so what we did is we. Jason got together with me, and I took that Get the Gold, and we added other things like uh, some audio uh, things, like as far as pitching a uh, an investor, like some cold calls and, and some warm calls. And we actually simulated these. We put them in the scripts. Then we gave documents like checklists and 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 things like that. So it's all together, uh, you know, checklists of uh, you know what you have to do to close investors. And we put it into this thing called the Film Finance Guide. We started selling it out there and. Uh, Initially, I think it was $100, and now it's been lowered because it's been around about a year and a half. Uh, but the bottom line is, with all the sales that we've had, not one person has ever returned it, which is a money-back guarantee. And I always thought that was such a great sign. I think one person thought that it was my book or something like that, and then immediately said, oh, wait, wait, I was just trying to buy the book, and we just gave him his money back. But they, as far as everybody else, no one has said uh, that it's not worth it. I think that is the the amount of value that we pack in the $67 is unparalleled I, I we really gave you the farm on that one so uh it, i'm proud of it i'm really proud of it being out there and just you know a resource for film right yes yes uh, th- that's what it takes uh, the, the, you know five cds is nothing you're just getting into um the real nitty-gritty because there is so much to learn tom that's great yeah totally totally now, you do give consultations to writers and producers, right, who want to take their scripts to the screen? Well, on and off. You know, it's always been a, a thing for me that uh, it's just on and off. You know, it's I'm a working filmmaker. Some people are, are just, just do the education, which is fine, and that's great. You know, and that's, they, they're just been out there. Maybe they're done or they're um, retired, and they, they're just out there kind of educating the masses, which is fine. I'm a working filmmaker, so it's very tough for me to do consulting except for in the middle of jobs. You know, it's like there's been times where I said, okay, I don't have a project coming for the next six months. Let me reach out and I can help people on their projects. But then there's been times where I'm in the, you know, I, of course, when I'm in the middle of shooting, I get, you know, six calls for people wanting me to help with their film. And, uh, you know, I just can't do it. So it's on and off. I used to have a site where I was trying to farm it out to other producers that I knew, and it just that's I couldn't handle it because it was my focus is always on filmmaking. But that all being said, when people do email me and they ask, and you know, it's like if I can't help you, um, I'll refer you to somebody else that can. And 
and you know, if I don't get back to you, email me again. You know, stay on it. How much, again? It comes back to how much do you want to get your film going? You know, um, and you shouldn't just be emailing me. Email everybody. Email all the all the people out there, and just you know, st- just push it forward and, and try to try to get your movie going. Right. Well, I just want to get um, a little bit of an update about Fairhaven. That's a film that mm. uh, Kirsten, who was in our class, uh, brought into the class, and you helped her make it. You became the producer on it, and you had a part in it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I you know, I really believed in her film. Actually, she was a great case study because, yeah, she was in our class, and she had a bigger film. She'd never directed a feature before, and she had a bigger film. Uh, that she was going forward with. And she made the conscious choice, I think, just by my egging her on a little bit in a good way, saying to, to switch it to a lower budget film because then it was much easier to get going. And then she came to me and had a certain amount of financing and, and I helped close a little bit more and we put it together and, um, you know, from uh, a lot of her connections. And so, but then I was, yeah, the producer on it and uh, it was done and it was great. Uh, it, it really came out fantastic, and we're taking it to market right now and selling it. So uh, we have one offer on the table, and we're hopefully getting more. But that's it. I mean, you know, it's 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 a really good film, and I believed in the script from the beginning. And she, I believed in her vision. She kind of sold me on her, and uh, I think we have a great product or something. Fantastic. All right. So what's next for you? What goals do you have for the next two to three years? Well, I have finishing screamers and hopefully, you know, selling that big. That's that's one big thing. But the other things now are, I mean, I don't have any film projects right now that I'm pushing forward, like, actively. What I am pushing forward is TV projects. And so I have this show, Midtown, that's out there, and it's on four digital broadcast networks. It's on Amazon. got picked up by Amazon. And so we're seeing where that goes. At the same time, we're pitching another TV show. And so hopefully that's uh, – you know where it's gonna where where my focus will be, but yeah, I mean on top of that, so I have I'm finishing a film that would be Screamers. I'm selling two films. Well, I'm selling excuse me, I'm selling Fairhaven one film. I have two films that were sold to distributors, and now I have to deliver, which was Here of the Underworld and this, uh, another documentary that I did. And then at the same time, um, a person has hired me to start a, a distribution company, kind of a small distribution company for some titles, and so I'm doing all that. At the same time, so yeah, ever, so there's a lot going on. <laughs> but the, I mean, what I would really the focus is TV. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so if someone wanted to hire Trick Handle Productions, what uh, services do you provide? Well, you know, again, if, it, if it's, it, I guess that would just ring. It would vary based on what we're talking about. You know, if you want to hire me as a producer, well, then that's a certain thing, and I'd have to get excited about the film and be and want to be involved, and the budget have to be there, all that stuff. Um, and what, you know, if you want to hire me as a consultant on your project, then it's just, you know, an hourly rate, like an entertainment attorney, actually cheaper than an entertainment attorney. And that's just based on availability, you know, and, and how much I can do for you. Lately, I've got this thing where I, if, if somebody comes to me and I can't do anything for them, I'll tell them, no, there's nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. You know, and then they, they can choose if they want to be involved or not. You know, it's just, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to consult on a film where I don't think I can do anything for them. But, I mean, really, when I do, it's like I try to give as much value as I can. Script consultation, um, you know, cast, uh, focusing on investors, all the pitch, tailoring, working with them to get it out there, um, you know, getting certain cast members attached and just really pushing it forward. But only to a certain extent, a certain amount of hours, because if not, if I'm doing more than that, then 
I'm going to be a producer, you know, and then that's, I have to make the choice to kind of become a producer and you, and that person has to make the choice as well. So yeah, I do all that stuff. What I don't do is just finance a film. Um, especially if I don't know anything about it, you know, I just get, I get it all the time because of the book, just people offering. The only thing they're offering me is, 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 you know, could you find money for our film and they'll give you a finder's fee. And I, I laugh at that because it's like, well, you, you basically want me to produce for you and you're going to give me this finder's fee. And it's like, that fee I'd be getting if I produced your movie anyway. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, it's hilarious to me that they'll want me to find the money, basically not touch their film. You know, so I've, I've seen those. They, they got their own vision. Believe in them, um, you know, and, and take a finder's fee, which I would have gotten anyway from producing the film. So that's the one thing I won't do is just go out and get money. Not that, you know, a perfect example is Kirsten. Not that, you know, when she, she brought a certain amount of money, she needed more. And, you know, there were some people that weren't interested, and I helped close them. I was, you know, and so I do all that kind of stuff. And there's been times where I'll bring other funding sources if it's needed. But, um, I, you know, it's really not my goal to go out and find money for somebody else when I have so much of my own projects that I'm, I'm dealing with. Right. Exactly. Well, are you working on any new scripts, Tom? <laughs> I don't know if you find the time to do all this stuff. But... Can, can you believe? That's that's hilarious. I did. I wrote a spec script, uh, about, and I finished that about a month ago. But I have two scripts. I have all the other stuff that I told you I was doing. I have two screenplays. One was commissioned from two men in China that want to write an action script, so they commissioned me to write that. So I have to deliver that by mid-June. And then another one, oh, film project um, that I – yeah, yeah, a film project I completely forgot to mention that is with uh, one of the cast members of SNL, Saturday Night Live, and, uh, it, and it's a comedy. And I, I did forget – gosh, I said I didn't have a film project coming up. Yeah, I'm trying to – I'm rewriting that script, and then we'll see what we have after that. If that works – then I really want to push that forward as a film because it could be done for a price uh, in New York City in Brooklyn, and uh, and it's a really funny uh, script with a ton of great uh, comics attached. So we'll see what that goes. Oh my gosh, what an exciting life you have, Tom! Thank you very <laughs> much for sharing all this information, and we definitely will take a look at uh, the filmfinanceguide.com. And uh, mm-hmm. both that new, that series of audios that you did, as well as the new information that you've got on the NDTV world. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you from my heart for sharing and being such a good friend all these years, Tom. Oh, definitely. It's always been great to work with you and be your friend. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to come on anytime. Okay. Yes, Thank you. Great. Thank you, Claire, and- for... Oh, you are very welcome. Yes. And Tom, you do so much for people out there who need to learn the things that you teach and uh uh a lot of gratitude goes to you from uh, from not only Carol's heart but many hearts. So, keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be well, everyone. Okay. Take care, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. 
I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>